Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thanking you as always for clicking on this podcast. It really is super, super appreciated. Uh, this episode is kind of one that I've been wanting to get up and uploaded just as soon as, really, because the new Jurassic Park film, or Jurassic World film, I should say, is just around the corner. The final entry in what is set to be the Jurassic saga. Uh, whether they do other things with it remains to be seen, but Jurassic World Dominion um, is bringing everything together from the classic uh, the classic trilogy, sorry, and this new trilogy, and, and almost like looking like a bit of an end game for the Jurassic uh, the Jurassic saga. Um, and I thought, well, I'd, I, again, I will obviously revisit the classics Jurassic Park and uh, the original Jurassic Park and, and and the films that followed it because. Jurassic Park is obviously one of my favourite films of all time. Absolutely loved dinosaurs growing up, was just always surrounded by dinosaur figures. And that film, I remember having them on VHS. And you know, like they talk about movie posters and the the iconic um those iconic movie posters, sorry. And Jurassic Park, it's just so it's not there's nothing really to it, is there? It's just a black, obviously black poster with the logo on, like a, a story three hundred and sixty-five million years in the making or whatever it says in the tagline. And that's like imprinted and instilled into my brain. And, and it's one of those posters that absolutely, uh, when I finished renovating the house, will definitely be getting a purchase to go on the uh, on the wall of uh, of posters and such. Um, and it, like I said, I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there. But basically, yeah, I love Jurassic Park. And so when they announced the the fourth installment, Jurassic World, like back in 20, was it 13, 14 or something? Yeah, I was up for it. I was a little bit, as a kid, obviously, you don't really know too much of the flaws of like Jurassic Park 3, but when it's a bit like the my old feelings towards The Phantom Menace and, and so on, is that you get older, a bit wiser, you watch these films, and there's things in there that you're not too fussed about. Like, I've always, I've never been too fussed about, you know, Jurassic, uh, the, the in Jurassic Park 2, when the T-Rex gets, you know, around, is it LA or whatever, um, when it starts to become a little bit King Kong, which I do respect Spielberg for that creative decision because he wanted to make um, his own version of King Kong. But I don't know, it just it just wasn't for me. I uh, just again, maybe older and wiser eyes watching it, like, oh, this is just this is where the film definitely dips. So yeah, when Jurassic World was announced, I was interested to see what they were going to do with it. I like, I think they announced that there was going to be like a, you know, a sea, uh, a dinosaur based in the sea, obviously being the Mosasaurus and uh, a sea reptile, I should say. Um, and yeah, they just sound like they were, they kind of knew what they were doing because they've been back and forth about what they could do with the fourth instalment. Obviously, we're going to talk about not in heavily depth, but some of the scrapped ideas um, that they had, which was some really extremely strange ones. But no, Jurassic World for for when it was released, obviously the cast was at, the, at that time. I think because Chris Pratt had only just kind of made it into that action scene, I should say, or that that side of things, because obviously he was only known from Parks and Rec and. Next thing you know, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, all like henched up, and then doing Jurassic World. And I, I know that he was cast in Jurassic World before Guardians even came out. So when Guardians did come out, Colin Trevorrow and Steven Spielberg thought they'd like struck gold. I thought they were made, made them look like geniuses, like they knew that this was going to happen, that he was going to take off. And you know, the Chris Pratt saga is one thing because I know a lot of people. There's the very, he's very like fifty fifty now. It's, it's, it's not. I wouldn't say he's on the same level as James Corden in terms of people really, you know, either love him or hate him. But definitely something's shifted and something's changed, whether that is just due to the fact that he is everywhere now. He's literally went through that spell, like I say, in 2014-15, when he was just about, and um, yeah, I don't know if it was just a bit of an overkill. But I do like him in these films. Um, I think that he brings, say, another another nice dynamic with Owen Grady and, and seeing his character progression over, well, I say the two films and what we'll see in the third one, who you know remains to be seen. But it's nice to see what they've done with that character. But the whole cast is safe for Jurassic World. Uh, it's full with absolute stars. You know, you've got Bryce Dallas Howard, which she is fantastic. So not only as a great performer, but obviously the fact that she can really direct her ass off as well. Like, I absolutely love the work that she's done with The Mandalorian. I really, really hope that we do get to see something more with her in Star Wars, whether that is like just... I'd, I'd happily, she should have just done the, the sequel trilogy, man. She should have done the sequel trilogy, but that's another story for another day. Uh, Vincent Donofrio as well is in this, which, uh, again, what a guy, fantastic as... Uh, as it's Kingpin, this, that, and the other. I, I, just great, like absolutely great kind of one of those. Because that's the thing, when it comes to villains, you're a little bit like, um, they can either be 2D or they can just be like, I don't know, very forgettable. I wouldn't say that he's in. He's not in a, a high memorable uh, villain of this, but he does he does really well with what he's got. I like the, the his view on things in terms of how they you know operate, how InGen and the security of that operates with the dinosaurs and how they look how they view things differently. It's kind of the same for Claire Deering's character, Bryce Dallas Howard's in this, in the first Jurassic anyways, but we'll get all to that 
I just I kind of just gone here, there, and everywhere, which is what we do on this podcast. Like, so we're going to go over all of that, anyways, um, because we're going to talk about Jurassic World One, and we're going to talk about Jurassic World Two: Fallen Kingdom. Which, on one hand, you've got a film that I absolutely adore, and I think is a fantastic instalment, regardless of all the nitpicks and that and the other. Like, I love Jurassic World One. I think it was, it came out at the right time for me. Like, it was summer. And I went to Download Festival, this and the other. I, I specifically delayed going to Download Festival for my five-day ticket just to make sure I could see this film before, because spoilers, obviously. Uh, and, of course, I'm a massive like, Jurassic fan, so I was like, I'm not going any festival until I've seen this film. Um, and it, it just, it, I don't know, it's like, it's one of those, I don't know if you've got them listeners, but it's one of my, like, kind of happy go-to films where, like, if sometimes, like, I don't really know what to watch, I'll just chuck Jurassic World on, which is strange in comparison, obviously, because you think I'd go for Jurassic Park. But I think, like I say, it's like a bottle i don't know that this this time this film came out like in 2015 Jurassic World that i just really really like i think it's the vibe of it like this whole like i said the main thing like the the thing in the market and everything they went through was the fact that the park is open the, the everything that you've wanted to see in a Jurassic Park film in terms of a fully functioning park is finally going to be on screen and i was so so excited for it like i couldn't wait to see what they were going to do and say so got the mosasaurus in there then there was obviously cuz with the marketing they were really really uh, hesitant and and they were it was almost like a build up to seeing the in, uh, the Indominus Rex as well like they were like oh like you know showing um, like posters for it saying come see the new attraction the Indominus Rex is that and the other and this film obviously has got a lot of uh, a lot of real life connotations in there as well that obviously Colin Trevorrow really put in in terms of making a hybrid dinosaur and those like companies and people really pushing everything they can almost to breaking point just to get like either I don't know like to make money basically. Um, so you got these corporations that are full of greed. This and they're always going to try and do the next be- the next best thing. And this is essentially like nature's way of fighting back. So this is the thing that I enjoyed about these Jurassic films because they do they do look into like the whole you know animals kept in cages, and then you've got the the idea of um, you know allowing you say whether they in the second one in particular allowing these creations that humans have made. Obviously, I know that man made creations whether they should be left to die. Obviously, on this island that's been erupted with a volcano. So there's a lot of stuff that's a lot of factors in the films. I do like the the themes and such behind it. It's just that times I think that especially in the second one things get a little bit lost. Um, but that's not to say that I don't like the second one because as I've stated, I think before on the podcast, like the opening to the Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom is so good. Like as, as on a level for me, I absolutely love seeing that kind of desolate park, obviously destroyed, and and everything that kicks off with the rain and thunder. Which again, I'm sure we'll go over because I'm not going to regurgitate the films. Obviously, I just wanted to just talk about them and get myself even more excited for the new one. And just before we do dive into, obviously, having seen majority of the trailers for for Dominion. I'm very like unsure. Like, it's great to have all the original cast members back. You know, you have Jeff Goldblum's and Sam Neill's and such. And I am excited to see those and, and Laura Dern, sorry, coming together with Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard. It's just that I don't know what it is that I'm so like concerned about. I think I think it is to do with the fact that I was so just not too fussed about the T Rex in Jurassic in Jurassic Part Two when the T Rex gets off the boat and then starts roaming around the city. I think that's where like I'm so concerned about because it it. it that wasn't great in my eyes. A full film of that is going to be interesting because obviously we're now not on an island anymore. So that's, they're my res- reservations about it. But all the same, it's going to be a dinosaur. There's going to be some great, di- great dino action. So I'm all for it anyways. But yeah, we're going to talk about Jurassic World after all of that waffling. We're going to talk about it. I've been talking about it, you know what I mean. We're going to go into it now. So thank you ever so much, though, for clicking on. The podcast, of course, is available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts as well as um, rss.com, all that jazz, this, that, and the other. Do make sure you jump onto Facebook as well and search Joe Blogs About Films. Give the page a like, follow, whatever. Yeah, share it. I really do appreciate it all the same. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this kind of revisit. It's, it's not really, yeah, revisit of, of the Jurassic World films. I say I will definitely look into uh, look into going over Jurassic Park, the original trilogy, because uh, I have a lot of things to talk about, especially Jurassic Park 3. That'll where, like, the humour will have to come into it, because if you don't laugh at that film, you will cry. <laughs> so we will talk about that eventually. But as I say, it was really, like, the hype was unreal. And and it just, it, one of those, again, like, I, I really wanted to see a park that was fully running. It was, and, and I like that take of, it's been running for so long already, you know, 
then it then disaster strikes. You know, the the Indominus Rex gets out, and all chaos ensues. It's nice to go from obviously seeing this, you know, seeing everything through the eyes of kids, basically. And Colin Trevorrow was saying that when he was film when he was making this film, he was pretty much filming it as he was a kid, like as if he was a kid. Like everything's in awe, and everything's from their point of view, and almost like conversations that people are having within the film, such as you know Claire and uh, and Owen. Like it's almost like that's how kids think that adults speak to each other alike, and. I get that it's because some of the some of the dialogue in this is a little bit well borderline. I'm not, not cheesy, but I don't know. But yeah, so it makes sense when you read that. You're like, okay, fair enough. That, that I, I see what it's going for, and you know the idea of this like magical place of like kids they'll go to see this film Jurassic World, obviously see this park fully functioning. You know, like you know over here we've got like Alton Towers and that, and the other or, or Thought Park or whatever. And it's like you want to go there. You see the adverts and you want to go, and it's like almost an advertisement for kids to be like, we, we need to go there. Like, can can I can we actually go to like Isla, Isla Nublar and and go and check out these dinosaurs? It's I like the whole. I like all of that. Like I think it was so well captivating and everything everything just seemed really well structured everything in terms of how they could keep us entertained as audience members to see what this part was like i love what they did with the gyrospheres as well which i believe i think that was a spielberg idea because spielberg obviously didn't he didn't direct this film and said trevorrow did but he was still on board as an executive producer and what i like about it as well is that he's not too hands-on like i think spielberg he's, he's within this way within the right amount like he said he always says with anything where he's attached to that he will ne- he'll 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 offer their any help if they want it but he will never like overstay his welcome and he might you know help with the scripts or whatever but it's it's up to the director basically so it was it was Colin Trevorrow that was really happy for Spielberg to you know come on in look at like you know the the storyboards this that and the other to see what they were going for and there's some it's just nice to see how they work together on this and it's that's the thing I think there's a nice level of nourishment and you can tell that Trevorrow was such a huge fan of the original Jurassic Park. I think I think he was saying that when he watched it for the first time, it was a bit like, well, anything can be made on screen now. And to have him on board again for the Dominion is something that I'm looking forward to seeing how he comes back. Because as much as J.A. Bayana did a did a great job in that gothic and claustrophobic side of things for the second one, it just wasn't as magical as the as as Jurassic World. And again, there'll be people out there that didn't really rate Jurassic World who thought it was just a bit like, okay, you know, it was fine, but it wasn't amazing. I think that and they probably may have preferred the darker elements of Fallen Kingdom, but I don't know, there was something, for me anyways, as I say, there was something that I really, really dug a lot about Jurassic World. I thought the story was was pretty fine, like I said, steady, and it's just, a like I said, just dinosaur, like a massive new dinosaur creation that's going around, Edward breaks loose and causes havoc and causes the entire park to go into, into shutdown, and it's kind of like everyone clamoring to, to, to stop it or to save the park or even like people's priorities are obviously all over the place in this. And this is the thing that, you know, the Indominus Rex, this synthetic hybrid dinosaur, you know, which is the center of the film story is a sim is symbolic, sorry, to the consumer and corporate excess. Um, the dinosaur was meant to embody humanity's worst tendencies, um, which Colin Trevorrow goes on to say that we're surrounded by wonder and yet we want more and we want it bigger, faster, louder, better. And in the world and in the world of the movie, the animal is designed based on a series of corporate focus groups. And he also stated that there's something in the film about our greed and our desire to profit, which is every day, really, let's be honest. Uh, not not for me. I, well, I would like to profit, but in terms of going like companies and this, that and the other, yes, that is really like all it's all it is isn't it they just want profits after profits and the indominus rex to colin trevorrow is very much that desire that need to be satisfied um and that film journalists have noted parallels between the workings of the park in jurassic world and of the film in the entertainment industry so this is it you can see already like there's just you know it's almost like taking a, a real life scenario situation here from over there from over there and putting it in this film um, that that like desire as I say for to to make profit is something that you see all the time and especially in the film when like they're even going on about like the the actual Indominus Rex itself when Claire goes to that meeting and you know Henry Wu is there played by the great BD One great having him back as well from the original one it's kind of strange to see him turn into this like weird like mad scientist in these films in a it's like he's mad, but he, he, he obviously it's, it's for the, it's for science. But I think that it's only until what looks like in the new one that he realizes that they've done like such a they've made a mess of things basically. But yeah, that whole sequence where she's like talking about what the Indominus obviously talk, well promoting and getting people to sponsor this that and the other Indominus Rex, and they're all like you know these corporate stiff, stiffs and suits being like yes, ugh, and it's it's that again, isn't it? It's like it's not about. The fact it, it, we've gone past the point of wow, we can make a dinosaur. It's now like wow, how much more money can we make on this? And I think Claire even says it. Uh, Gabrielle Howard's character Claire even says about 
You know, people aren't bothered about seeing dinosaurs anymore. It's like we're past that point now. We need something else. We need something more to get people in. And it's just, yeah, I, that, that's the thing. Is this? It's always going to be that, and that is essentially the, the 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 downfall of these characters. I think again, in terms of character shift, it's someone like Claire as well throughout this entire film, who's not really too bothered at all about having, you know, her nephews with her. She's she's meant to be looking after, meant to be showing him a great time around Jurassic World, you know. And she's not even she's never there. She's kind of like palming them off to someone else, and she's too busy going to meetings, this that and the other, or, or to her own personal errands and. Then for her to reach that point at the end where so much has happened that obviously it is now a case of, you know, I need to look after these kids. It's like, again, such a great character development for her, especially, again, when she's on the, on the back and forth in with, with Chris Pratt's Owen, you know, they were in some kind of, like, entanglement or whatever, and then it didn't work out. And then he's, he's like, obviously, when we first meet him, just a kind of, just your typical, like, kind of, lad i should say like i don't know like he just he 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 does care about the animals but it's 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 kind of like he's more selfish i would say than in this film then when we find him what we will probably find him in in dominion because that, that whole story for him and the you know it's it's gone as well like as in he, he's progressed over these films just a quick note as well on bryce ellis howard's claire is that a few people remember when it came out were like why is she wearing white and why is she wearing heels throughout the entirety of the film and uh, the reason for her to be in full white all the way through because it is a bit ridiculous that she's running around getting absolutely <laughs> filthy and these white clothes that it's meant to it's be it's a nod to obviously john hammond in the first jurassic park when he was literally in all white so again nice little nods and there's a ton of them in this film other nods as well in this whether it's shots or anything like that in particular when the indominus rex is breaking out when obviously they think he's left the paddock they don't know where it is it's escaped or whatever and chris pratt and the other tech guys are in there i love that sequence when we get to see the back of Chris Pratt running and just the feet of the Indominus Rex stomping towards him. It's a nice exact same shot and nod to Jurassic Park 1 when Timmy is getting chased in the kitchen by the Velociraptor running towards the uh, running towards the freezer. I, th I just think it was it's just stuff like that. that I, as a fan of the, as I say, of the saga and the franchise, it is really um, yeah lovely to see. And there's a, there's a ton of these like little nods though, isn't there, in this film? There's tons of Easter eggs and tons of, like I say, uh, references and, uh, and referrals to... The original, uh, the original Jurassic Park, but there's just like I say, so much within within this first film. As say, I, I, the ideas they had for it originally for Jurassic Park Four, which if they'd have carried on with where they were going, it would have definitely killed this franchise massively. Like really would. I mean, you know, we'll come back to some more of my favourite sequences of you know in the in the in Jurassic World, anyways. But the original plan for like Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Four. That should they could have called it that in fairness. It's about dogs. Um, the original idea or concept for one of the uh, for one of the Jurassic Park scrapped uh, sequel ideas was they were going to start incorporating. And if you're a fan of Jurassic Park, you'll probably know this, anyways. But they were going to try and do like a whole uh, human dinosaur mashup and and uh, hybrids of that. So the the idea of a hybrid dinosaur is something that's always been kind of the, that seemed to be the next point of of the evolution of the Jurassic saga. You know, you've got you know, they, they talk about obviously in the other Jurassic, I think especially in Jurassic Park three when they go into like the the, the, the you know of the broken down lab and, and, and shut off labs and stuff. And it's like, this is how you play God. And, you know, we've reached that point where we can do this and this, a bit of this and, and throw in a dash of that and creating obviously like the Indoraptor, the, Ind the Indominus Rex, sorry, and, and stuff like that, and the Indoraptor in, in Jurassic World too. But yeah, they had this idea, which was quite crackers. And if you go online, you can see some of the concept art for it, where they were going to try and incorporate, as I say, like a human dinosaur hybrid. There's a really like horrifying, like stuff of nightmares. It's like, half man, half velociraptor, or half man, half um, triceratops and stuff like that. It's just quite, yeah, it, it's strange to think that's what they're going to do. It's, it, it was essentially going to go down like a mad scientist route. I think there's a character that was going to get dropped off on one of the islands, and he was trying to look for like either a scout party or something anyways, and he was going to stumble across kind of like a a, a, hit, a lab that this, this one of the geneticists was working on and had created all this kind of... the It was for like military and such, like wanting to incorporate that in the military. So again, you can see where these ideas have come from because... You know, they wanted to create these hybrid human dinosaurs for, as I say, military reasons. And then in this film, it's obviously we do get the the Indominus Rex, the hybrid dinosaur that's got literally T-Rex, Velociraptor, whatever, cuttlefish, this, that, and the other in it. Uh, and then, you know, that, that, as I say, that's for the attraction. But then InGen is still wanting to really run home and, and push for Velociraptors to be used as military, like, weapons, you know what I mean? And, and you know, that's where Vincent Donofrio's character comes in who's wanting to push this and... Again, that whole like power struggle between Chris Pratt, who was obviously you know he's he's imprinted on these dinosaurs, he's trained them up, but obviously for he for him it's not for the purpose that they're wanting to, or not for the parks. But, you know, it's it's literally 
that kind of showing that it, there can be a bond. It's almost like they are not dogs or anything like that, but they can be trained. They're still killers, and that's the thing. Trevaro was so, so quick. When we saw that shot in the trailer of Chris Pratt, obviously, like kind of either doing his usual standing with his hand out, like to stop them from doing this, that, and the other. Or the, uh, the main one, obviously, was the fact when he was on his motorcycle and the Raptors are running next to him. A lot of people were like, what? Like, how how are they not going for him? It's like, and, and like Trevaro said all along, don't get me wrong, like, yes. Chris Pratt's character, yeah, he's managed to like not tame them, but they are more res- more uh, res- responsive to him. But if they wanted to, they could rip his face off, or they could they would genuinely go off and and do their you know what, what they're meant to do, what their instincts would tell them to do. And we do see that in the film, anyways. But I like this idea of that they've the, 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 obviously that everyone behind the, the behind the scenes and the team making this film have, have taken on these other ideas that, let's be fair, like sounded horrifying. Like you said, I know they've kind of again wormed the whole. Half well, the human clone hybrid, human whatever in in Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, which is another storyline. Which I just, I don't know. We will come to that. There's a lot of issues with Fallen Kingdom. It's strange. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely the last Jedi of of the uh, of the bunch. You know, the one that people are like. I get on with it, or I hate it. It's like that one we kind of like pull into and fro. Like for every like, there's a dislike with it. So we'll come to that. But all the different ideas to say have um, have ended up in Jurassic World one way or another. Whether like I said, then we've not whether we're going to see in Dominion some weird Velociraptor man. Who knows? Who knows? Velocipasta was it the film that came out? Google that anyways, because that's um, one of those like films straight to DVD, but it's terrible. Well. Terrible but fun, I think, anyways. But yeah, so different ideas for Jurassic World and, and Jurassic Park 4, I should say. But they managed to... I think I think the story that they went with is... It was great, you know, it was it was something different. I say we, we, we I love the idea of having the original T-Rex in as well, Rexy from uh, the, the original JP at the end. Having him coming back and obviously be part... I love the fact they kept all the scars and such. And I just like the fact that there's so much research that went into this. Because, um, like I said, we, we do heavily focus on animal rights as well, which is a great, which is a massive, sorry, concept for this film. Uh, and it really hit homes at times. So I talk about the character with Claire and stuff. I've already spoke about how her relationship with the with the kids is a little bit like, well, she's not fussed to start with. And then there's also her view and, and attitude, I should say, towards the dinosaurs, you know, when she's just like just so, like, blasé about the fact that they're like, oh, we'll tranquilise them, this, that, and they're shifting, blah, 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 and it's like, well, they, they are animals in the day, like, they're not, they're, you can't go around treating, you can't go around doing this to the animals, like I say, they are, even though you created them, we have to treat them as, as equals, you know what I mean, like, I said, well, not as equals, but we have to treat them like any other animals, like, we can't just, just, oh, yeah, we've made them, therefore we own them, and that's, again, that's like Vincent Donofrio's, that's his view on it as well, like, we do own them, the, the, you know, they don't even, extinct animals have no rights, is what he says, or something ridiculous like that, which, really happy to see uh, his character, Vic Hoskins, um, get get his, uh, get his uh, comeuppance towards the end of this film as well, especially at the hands of a velociraptor as well, which is like, Oh, the irony, eh? But yes, animal rights is like such a huge, huge deal in this film as well, which is which is rightly so because we see and hear all the time, like sea worlds and zoos and such like that. Um, and it's highlighted heavily as well with the fact of like the Indominus Rex. Like one of the issues are written one of the reasons why it's so chaotic is that it doesn't even know where it stands and say in the food chain, anything like that. Chris Pravacy is Owen saying about, you know, it's he's been raised in captivity, she's been raised in captivity. The only thing that she's got a connection with is the crane that feeds it. Therefore, once she's like breaking out and discovering this, that, and the other, of course, she's just going to go on this absolute rampage. She doesn't know where she fits in. Therefore, it's like kill or be killed, essentially. But um, I will come to the uh, <clears throat> I will come to the design of the Indominus very shortly because I thought it was really cool. I thought it looked really cool. Um, and Trevorrow, just touching on the say with the animal rights and just following that for a second. Trevorrow also stated that the film Blackfish, um, which if you've not seen it. Do watch it. It's on Netflix. It is a a must watch in my eyes. Anyways, like I said, I remember when I watched it, and it was very very hard and heavy going. Um, but it's 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 shocking. But that 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 shock that that need of shock. You know what I mean? Like I I, I would never ever look at going back to like a sea or anything like that after. I've never actually been, if I'm being honest. But you know what I mean? Like it's really. Really, really horrible. Some of the things you see, but Blackfish was a key inspiration for uh, for Jurassic World, and and the orca that the film centers around, named Tilikum, like the Indominus Rex, was raised partly in isolation and responsible for like the deaths of so many people, about three people. Um, and again, like the public response and reactions of and the corporate ex uh, the corporate excesses of SeaWorld, you know, that were depicted in that documentary and such. You know, they that is the inspiration behind the fictional park in Jurassic World. Um, something that I think, again, very important message to be behind the scene. And 
the film doesn't shy away from that at all, let's be honest, does it? But um, yeah, just back on the side note to Blackfish, do watch that. Um, again, that is something that, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a must-watch, but... You know, say the the, the Indominus Rex. It's, it's you can see that you know that that kind of relation and, and links to the story of Tilikum to uh, to an extent. Obviously, it's not a dinosaur, but you know, um, yeah, really, really, uh, really powerful film is uh, is Blackfish. So it's kind of cool to see that Tra- Trevorrow had taken that and used that as like a, say like um, a roadmap of or inspiration at least for for Jurassic World. Um, on more of a lighter note, you know, Chris Pratt made a joke years ago, like when he was on Parks and Rec, it was like a behind-the-scenes footage of him, like, saying that he was talking to Spielberg, or he got a text from Spielberg about being Jurassic Park 4, and there he is, later on, casting uh, casting Jurassic Park, uh, casting uh, Jurassic World, sorry, I should say, and like I say, he's one of those with Chris Pratt, like, I, I can take him or leave him, I'm not, his, I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Pratt, but I do think that he was great in this film, I thought that, you know, the character of Owen, he had the kind of right, like, not macho level, but I, it's just someone that you definitely felt like could save the day. Um, and as I say when the part's going to hell, you need some kind of you need you need that kind of character in there. And it would have been interesting to see if there was any other. I'm trying to think if there were if I'd read any other names that were linked to potentially playing. But hey, um, I've not even spoke about like the film's like success at the box office because it broke records, didn't it? I don't know if you remember, but it definitely took the it took the mantle off Avengers. Was it Infinity War? Or in, yes, was it? Was it? You know, I mean, I can't remember which one it was, but it it, it broke the records anyway. So it might have just been the first Avengers, maybe, because I remember some artwork coming out from Marvel saying like, "Congrats, this that and the other." Um, anyways, it it did that. It it, it was ridiculous. Like it was, it was the first film to collect over five hundred million in a single weekend. Five hundred million dollars, sorry, of course, in a, in a single weekend, and it and it hit one billion within fourteen days. And I would put that down to the film's like genuine success with the market range because. I don't know about you, but I remember when I saw when you saw that Mosasaurus leap out of the water for the Great White Shark. Nice little nod as well with that because the the shark. I think Trevorrow checked, or at least made sure with Spielberg that he knew it wasn't like a a dig or anything at Jaws. I think in in some way it's a great little kind of um, way to show the scope of, of of the Mosasaurus. That obviously, okay, Jaws was big, like you know Bruce the shark from Jaws was big, but this is bigger. But when you saw that coming out, and and I think this is the the, the beauty of it as well because I remember. As films come out and such of the trailers, they change a little bit, and it still looks magnificent CGI and such. But it just um, oh, it looked amazing. So I was so up for it. Say to see the mosasaurus in a, you know, it's the first water dinosaur. I say sea sea life that we've we've really seen in the in the Jurassic saga. So I was so up for that. And like I said, the idea of this that hybrid dinosaur kicking off, and then you throw in there that raptors can be trained or whatever. And just on on top of the fact the park is fully running. Like I'm sorry, but that oh, that shot when. Um, Ty Simpkins character uh, runs into uh, runs into the hotel. He plays Gray, sorry, Gray Mitchell. Uh, runs into the hotel, opens up the door, and we get that huge, great, wide sweeping shot of the new park open, and the theme of Jurassic Park kicks in. It's genuinely magical, like a genuinely, it's like goosebumps worthy in a way. I was like, Jesus Christ, like this is uh, this looks ace. Like I love the whole design of it. Like I I, I think they did such a great job of of creating. A fantastic looking park as well, uh, and making it just feel real. Like I would have loved to be an extra in there. I don't know about you, but I would have loved to be an extra just roaming around. And yeah, there's a few product placement here and a few product placement there, and they missed that and the other. But I just thought it looked absolutely wonderful. I genuinely was so uh, just enthralled in that shot. It's like it's it's one of those ways. It's not like not like I'm like sobbing, but it's like kind of like just when you get goosebumps, it's almost like you get like a little bit like tear. I oh, just just wonderful. So I think that's again that's the child that's like the kid in me that's really really happy with the new Jurassic film and the way that Trevara had done it and completed it, I was like, this guy's, uh, this guy's nailed it, you know what I mean? I thought that it looked absolutely uh, fantastic. So there's so many, so many great, like, um, great use of that, I say, with the park. So, and in particular for me, because, like, one of the things I love is when, it's like when I watch, like, it's completely different, but when I watch, like, the Saw films and they keep going back to, like, the original bathroom and stuff, whenever that came up, I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I'm, it's nice to see the dingy bathroom and see what's happening in there and blah, 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 how things are progressed. And then we do get this in, in, in Jurassic World as well where we get to see the original the original park site, you know, and how it's all desolate and destroyed and, you know, we get the original Jeep and stuff and, you know, when the kids go into the into that, into that the entrance hall and, you know, you've got the banner when dinosaurs rule the earth all, like, just ripped to shreds and just everything's, like, overgrown and, it, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, nature again is... It's kind of symbolic again to say that, that nature's taken over that park again, you know what I mean? Like, it's nice. It's such a great moment and being able to walk through and having the, the key, you know, the piano keys playing... 
you know, the Jurassic theme again. Like, it's stuff like that that I really, really enjoyed. It's, it, it felt like they'd thought a lot about it, and I liked that idea of them going back to the uh, to the original park and such, and it all being, as I say, desolate, um, which, again, is probably why I like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom's intro so much uh, in terms of going back to this park and, and it being all run down, this, that, and the other. But there was so much, like, within the film that it just kept taking up another level. You know, you've got, like I say, not only is it all going to hell with the Indominus, the Indominus Rex breaking loose and 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 ah, just that sequence as well so i just want to say when it when it does break out and chris pratt's under the under the truck and it's like he's pouring petrol himself so he can avoid this i've said before like how i know because they used some they used they didn't use an awful lot of animatronics for the dinosaurs and obviously they used them for, for the velociraptors in some in some instance anyways there was a lot of cgi in the film as well but i've said before about the scale and how cgi is just so wonderful in these films like that moment when the Indominus is, you just see, I think it's like the, just his jaw, as I say, just kind of sniffing around under there. Do you know, it's like, it just, and obviously you've got the, the, the very fantastic, like the details and of the blood and the, obviously of the, of the victims he'd just taken on and such. It, it was, it just looked horrifying. Like a genuine, like kind of like a slasher film almost. It reminded me of like Chris Pratt's like keeping really still, trying not to like make any sound whatsoever, covered himself in petrol to have, you know, get his stench away or whatever. It's just really, really intense. But the design of the Indominus Rex is something that because they say they'd, left it for for so long into it. they didn't show it too much in the marketing we just got in the trailers like a few bits of his eye and then when the film came out then we got to see it fully and such i thought it was a really cool idea because there was loads of people online like loads of theories of what this dinosaur could do because we knew that it was going to be a hybrid dinosaur granted you knew that t-rex was the main body of it and you could maybe guess that potentially a velociraptor could have been involved as well but there was like when we'd not seen too much about it escaping or whatever people were like can it fly can it have has it got wings it's just going to like pop out and such there was a, quite a few People who thought that could be the case, but the, to throw in the fact it can camouflage was, uh, yeah, was was a nice touch as well, which adds, like I said, to, to, to such a intense moment when they're obviously when he's took the tracker out and the, the the squadrons are all just getting picked off one by one by, and that like when he's like starts screaming it can camouflage, it's just so intense that moment. And saying there's a great deleted scene as well where they're watching the, um, I say it's a great deleted scene. You can see why it was deleted, but they're trying to work out how they not picked up on the fact that it could do that or like why, why, where it had gone in the paddock in the first place and then they see just it on like the heat seekers it walking and then just completely vanishing um obviously going into like its camouflage mode which it would have been nice maybe if they kept something like that in but I, again i think that the reveal of it when it, the camera pans up and we see like the trees and then it's moving slowly and then you see that it is as i say it's camouflaged to blend in with the trees it's such a great reveal and there's a ton of those moments as well with the indominus uh, that i think is great because the fact that its mouth can stretch so bloody wide as well like when it's trying to get you know the the two kids in the gyrosphere and he's literally clamped his jaw on the on this huge ball it's just just excellent like i said really great design um and yeah, it was it was one of those as well. When it came to its like say its demise with Indominus, it was, I guess, in some some strange capacity, a little bit like because we knew that the T Rex would come and probably be the the, the savior of the day almost. That like we knew that it would have a battle with the T Rex at the end, and I think that because a lot of fans as well were so peeved in a way that you know the T Rex was taken down so easily by the Spinosaurus in Jurassic Park three, which again I. I, I I don't know, like it's one of those where they were trying to they were trying to really cement just how terrifying the Spinosaurus was. I don't think they did it justice when, like I said, this battle with the T-Rex was only... I'm not saying I want like a full-on 15, 20-minute fight sequence. I mean, I would take it, you know what I mean? But I don't know, like it, it was almost like just to wash out the bad taste of that. Like I, just those little nods as well. Like obviously when, when Claire goes and gets the T-Rex, the there's again another nod with the whole flare and that, of course, you don't, have to, you don't have to say flare and Jurassic and you think of the whole sequence with the T-Rex paddock and such. But when she's obviously getting chased by by the T-Rex, he smashes through the bones of a Spinosaurus, a skeleton of a Spinosaurus, which is, again, like a nice little almost like fist pump moment for the, uh, for the fans there. It was like a middle finger to like, yes, that's right. Like whoever thought that the Spinosaurus would be better than a, than a T-Rex or, or would be able to take down a T-Rex. He's talking nonsense. This is the one. Um, it's just stuff like that. that it's, there's, there's levels of like fan service in that way. It's almost like they took on board feedback from over the years because I don't think, well, I know a lot of people, except my sister, a lot of people really don't like Jurassic Park 3. I've said this, have I said this before about my sister saying that Jurassic Park 3 is her favourite one, which... That's like uh, that's like a topic of discussion that never gets brought up at the dinner table if we're together. It's like just don't talk about Jurassic Park three at the table. I just haven't got time for it. Um, and then obviously with the with the Velociraptors again, you've got those nods as well of like 
Blue jumping on the Indominus, taking it down like it did, like obviously Velociraptor did to to Rexy in in the original one, and that whole sequence where everything is just getting destroyed. I mean, at times it is a little bit of a of a CGI blurry mess. As much as I praise the CGI, what they did with the film, that final sequence when it's just like through getting thrown through buildings after buildings and such, it's just you are. It's like it's like with the whole Venom film. It's like Jesus Christ, like what's going on? Like I just don't even know. Just sparks flying everywhere and debris and ever. And then the final moment, I say when the Mosasaurus jumps out grabs the 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 indominus and and pulls it in it's like uh okay we knew that it probably was was probably going to happen you know what i mean like i was kind of you can't have the mosasaurus in just for like a, a novelty of having it feed off a shark it's going to have some kind of uh, although it is it's like there's lots of things that go online as well about that that sequence where obviously i've not even really spoke about the um you know the pterodactyls and such breaking free of their dome and and coming down to like pick up on and and pick off just tourists or whatever, uh, which again is great. Some great sweeping swat shots, like you do feel like you are like flying with them almost. But like when that that demise of the the poor lady that's looking, I forgot what her name is, but you know the the assistant that's hired by Claire or whatever to just look after the kids, and she does nothing wrong. She's like just an just innocent character, just wanting. I mean, she had, I don't know if her accent. If that's a British, if that is genuinely a British accent, then we've got some serious. I was like, what? But anyways, like that's probably her only flaw is the accent, and then next thing you know. She's getting hurtled up into the sky, f- like dropped into the uh, dropped into the to the Mosasaurus's um, yeah like bit, and then this pterodactyl is just picking her up, throwing her down, picking her up, and then the Mosasaurus comes up and eats them both, and you get to hear that like kind of scream from the inside of, of its mouth. It's like, where did that come from? Like Jesus! Like that, again, that for me is like Trevorrow and Co having fun with this film. Um, I remember just sat there, just like this is ridiculous. This is like. Where, like, where did you start with the blue completely out of the blue? It's like, there's no reason for this. She's not even like a horrible character. If it was like Vincent D'Onofrio's character or whoever, like like a main villain, you'd be like, yes. And then this is like, okay, bye then. <laughs> like, it's, it's just so out of the blue. But yeah, the Mosasaurus to say at the end, taking on the, the taking down the Indominus or whatever, eating it, is uh, yeah, like I did feel like it was maybe a bit, that's like predictable that that probably would have, well, you only have to see the fact of where the Indominus Rex ends up at that fence, and you're like, mm, "Bit too close there, mate." You're probably gonna, uh, probably gonna see uh, a grisly demise. But no, like I've gone, I say I've pretty much like gone here and there from everywhere, really. As I say, with uh, with the with Jurassic World, say so I do really like it. One of my one of the things that I was in, like, kind of was look, looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff, and is that there was a scene that they cut out, which I think I think it's clever that they I didn't never did it. I think I say I think it's the right move, I should say, rather than clever. But like there was going to be a sequence where there was an animatronic uh, T Rex, which was going to be as part of the part, like just just like a robot T Rex knocking about somewhere, and the Indominus Rex was going to go over to it and you know bite the head off of this animatronic and throw it everywhere, and it'd be like sparks, this, that, and the other. Um, as it was obviously this this T Rex was situated in the park, and Trevaro loved the idea of this, like he wanted to like show you that this how you know to fear this indominus this this new dinosaur but spielberg pointed out that it could be interpreted that they're trying to say that cgi beats animatronics and that wasn't the message that they wanted to come like what wanted, wanted the audience to uh, to receive and i get that i think it's a great idea and say that if you go online again you can find some fantastic concepts out for it but i do understand why they cut that out because it, again that is yeah the message that probably would have well, someone would have taken it like that, wouldn't it? They'd have been like, oh, this is this is the day and age that we're at now kind of thing. Um, and as much as the CGI is fantastic to use, and it's how far we've come, as I say, with special effects, it's amazing to see what they can do these days. I just, like I say, animatronics, when they do it right, as you've seen in, not only in, the, say, these Jurassic World films, the original Jurassic Parks, whatever, you know, even in that short film they did, I don't know if you've seen the, the one that came after Fallen Kingdom, Battle at Big Rock, you know, they had an Allosaurus, Allosaurus, I think it was? Yeah, but they had an animatronic Allosaurus for it. And it looked insanely good. Like, I was like, Jesus Christ. So there's there's huge teams behind us. And even just going away from Jurassic Park stuff, you know, you, you, your Harry Potters, your Lord of Rings, whatever. Like, it's one of those, like, animatronics. If you, I, I would always say, so if that is if you can do it that way, obviously, and it's however much budget they have, just to just to try and make it as real as you can. Because with CGI, people nitpick all the time with stuff like green screen in particular. So it's it's nice that they did leave that out because I do think that it would have been maybe received in 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 a uh, in an incorrect way, especially with all the messages that are behind this film, which are really driven home. You know, say so there's the animal rights and such and all all of that. I think that if they were to include that as well, it would have been a little bit like well, in terms of the movie industry, anyways, it would have just maybe, it would have it would have hit some people in that way. But again. 
the 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 fun element was there because Travao wants wanted to include it because it was cool and that was literally it. So um, yeah, right away I would say to uh, to, um, <coughs> to 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 scrap that. But Jurassic World, like I I love the first one as I say, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of it. Like it's not by any stretch like you know the best Jurassic of the bunch. It's just the fact of seeing the park fully functioning. You know, getting to see those locations again because we're on the same island, so we're getting to see like you know where the Gallimimus are running this and the other, and even that again, like those shots and are very similar and resonate to the first one and such. So it, for me, it was just like I say, this little bottle of happiness that I I remember saying to my friend, I was like, "This is my go-to happy film, man." Like I genuinely, I don't know what it is. Um, you know, again, I will watch all the Jurassic films. Um, but Jurassic World, like I say, in terms of the order, was always like Jurassic Park One is going to be the best, and I would, I'd easily put this behind it. Like I, I think that don't get me wrong, Jurassic Park Two is great. Again, for going back to the other side of the island, East, uh, Isla Sauna, um, and uh, and seeing like the other side of that with Jeff Goldblum and such and Julianne Moore. Um, Jurassic Park Three just needs to go away. But yeah, like I, I genuinely, <clears throat> in terms of a first attempt of a new director coming into it, you know, he's got a great team behind him as well, and and. I just thought they did quite spot on. They they really did. Like I said, there's horror. There's there's the right amount of horror in there as well. In terms of, you know, not too not too frightful that kids are going to be absolutely terrified or whatever. But then there's also these like really poignant moments as well. Like and you sat there, you're like, I'm I'm nearly weeping over like a, a brachiosaurus like snuffing and passing away kind of thing. Like obviously when the t- the Indominus Rex is going around just feeding off or just killing them for sport, I should say. Like as as Chris Pratt says, and they're holding this. This Brachiosaurus as it slowly passes away and such, and it's I think again it's that idea of because you know it's one of the first I think it's the first dinosaur that you see obviously when you go to Jurassic Park and having one pass away in in the arms of like I say these humans that they they wouldn't even be here if we'd not mess around with it kind of thing. There's there's some real moments in there, some like just really lovely moments. I say lovely sad moments as well. Um, but yeah, like it's just uh, it's one of them for me. Like I do really dig it, and I was very excited to see where they would go with it as well because I say by the end of this Jurassic World is pretty much gone. Uh, we get that fantastic shot as well at the end with the great score kicking in of, you know, we see Rexy, you know, just walk over to the uh, to the top of the park or whatever where the helicopter pad is and um, and let out this huge roar. And Michael Giacchino again, man. Michael, uh, I, I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that completely wrong in fairness. I was saying Giacchino, is it Giacchino? Maybe it is Giacchino. Anyways, if he's listening, sorry, mate. And if you know the, the, the way I'm saying it, it's completely wrong, again, I'm sorry. But obviously after his work with the Batman, I've like kind of noticed everything that he's like, it's one of those where it's like, my God, I've been praising scores for so long and didn't realise it was this guy. And he's, he does such an amazing job in this. It's really, really excellent, the score. Like he nails on the the essence and the the themes of the, the original score that John Williams gave us. God, God bless that man. Um and just really kind of makes it a more... It's like same but different because this, this is the thing, Jurassic World, it's not Jurassic Park... It's Jurassic Park, but it's not direct. You know what I mean? So it's nice to have something different but all all the all the same feel the same. Um, but that, like I said, the last the last shot of, of Rexy giving it, giving it giving it hell. This is my park. This is my town. Um, just a great way to finish. And it kind of left us on like thinking, oh, if they were... Because that's the thing, if they weren't to do the second one, if they weren't to do a trilogy or whatever, you'd be a bit like, that's fine. It was a nice little one-off uh, like edition and we'll see what happens next. But then obviously they, they did decide to do Jurassic World uh, 2, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And I think the big thing with this was that it was like, I think when the poster and the title was announced for it, it was like, the park is gone. And I was like, okay, this could be interesting because like, what are they, where are they going to go with it? So they see a trailer, this, that and the other and. For all of it, it's like, like I've said, I'm very like hit and miss with this film. Like, I've watched it a couple of times. Um, I say a couple of times, a few times, let's say, because I've been obviously prepping for this. And it's like, I'd like what they've done in this this idea of, like for starters, obviously, getting J.A. Boyana on is fantastic. Like, I, I really think he's a fantastic director. Like, he is an expert in, like, I think they were saying, like, in uh, chi- like child child nightmares, almost. Like, it's... That like idea of just stroking fear, the right level of fear in terms, you know, you've got this his, his horror work with like the orphanage again around around kids and such. Then you've got the impossible, which was obviously about the the tragic tsunami that happened in this film. The film actually stars Tom Holland, obviously. You're a very young Tom Holland. Again, it's like the view. It's obviously it's the family, you know, you McGregor and such uh, through the tsunami, but it's it's very very like driven through through children, um, and like. It's a great idea getting getting him on board because then they can bring in these gothic and horror elements that 
you want the, the right level of like say fear and 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 you know you want it to resonate to kids and and they'll be in the cinema thinking my god I, I don't I, I'm so happy this isn't me in this situation so he was a great great I think um great decision I would say to to have on board I say he brings some absolutely excellent work in this film don't get me wrong I just think that the there's some story elements in Jurassic World 2 that I just I don't I'd say story elements sorry it's some plot points rather that I just really just think are just unnecessary we will come obviously to the main one which is the auctioning of the dinosaurs I think that's it's all there really isn't it like when it starts to go a little bit mm. even though you get the Indoraptor and a few of my friends preferred the Indoraptor to the Indominus Rex I think because I love Jurassic World too much I'll always prefer the Indominus Rex but I do really like this again this 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 another another hybrid dinosaur which I know they've said they're not doing that anymore in the new one uh, Dominion will have no hybrid dinosaurs whatsoever but it's it's really strange to say the whole Lockwood situation with this because my issue with certain films, I will come to more background details of Jurassic World 2 in just a second and such and more things that I really love about it, including that magnificent opening. But my issue with films is when they start to, or at least franchises, sorry, um, and this is one of the problems I have with like Marvel and stuff, is when they start to shoehorn certain things in, like it's almost like they're, they're, it's for the story and for the plots and such, this, that, and the other bit, is it needed? So the the idea with this, obviously, that my 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 issue mainly, I say, is is with Lockwood, the character that essentially helped start with John Hammond this, um, obviously this, you know, progression of creating dinosaurs and cloning dinosaurs. It was in apparently the basement of Lockwood Manor or whatever it's called, where the first I think it was a, was it a, an elephant that they cloned? I think they said or something like that. And then from then on, they managed to work out and do, you know, dinosaurs and such. Um, Lockwood's played by James Cromwell, former partner um, in developing, say, the, the the cloning technology and such. But it just, it's one of those where it's like, I've never heard of this character before. No one's ever mentioned him before in Jurassic Park 1, 2, 3, Jurassic World. Here we are in Jurassic World 2, and this character's appeared. I, I just don't like it when they do that. Like, I know that they have to, they have to have some kind of, like, figure. And I love what I say in Jurassic World when you've got the statue and such of John Hammond and the, the nods and mentions of him saying, you know, that they, what he wanted it to be, what he, what he, this is the park that he wanted it to be, spare no expense, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just can't get on with this, this thing of, like, oh, yeah, so we had a mate that it doesn't really, they fell out or whatever because we find out it's because he was trying to clone uh, his daughter, granddaughter, whichever. Um I just think like it's so strange where this saga's gone. You know what I mean? Like I was like, why, why, why are we going down this route? Why? So that's a big negative for me. Like this whole shoehorning this character in, um, it doesn't even make it to the end of the film either. Like obviously you've got Rafe Spall in this film as well, who is a fantastic actor. I love Rafe Spall. I think seeing him in the lights of like, going from the films I've seen him in, you know, you've got like Hot Fuzz and such, and the, obviously the Cornetto trilogy itself, and then seeing him pop up in Prometheus and big films like that, you know, fair play to him, because he's a very, very good actor, so he's done some really, really excellent work. He plays a character Eli Mills in this, who's the, uh, um, this like, assistant, uh, or always they call this, I think someone brought down, he's an ambitious assistant. Um, and he's the one who sends, obviously, Owen and Claire to rescue these dinosaurs from this island that's been destroyed. And again, we'll talk about the the, the themes behind that as well. Uh, well, the main theme of this is, to say, it's that question of should we let the dinosaurs die or not, which is... Again, uh, the the main point of where we get to now, obviously letting the dinosaurs live on with us, but like again, just this his character, um, you just knew it was off. You know what I mean? Like from the get go, obviously he's like, oh yeah, I'm trying to do this to save the dinosaurs. We're going to put them on a safe haven. We're going to move them this that and the other. Uh, Spall says that the uh, that the character obviously has ambition. That uh, ambition is such a powerful emotion that you can get wrapped up in it. Um, and end up doing things in order to succeed. And this character that he's playing, obviously, this Eli Mills, believes what he's doing is right. And that's the thing with every villain in these films, which is why I guess that, like, maybe it just feels too samey because every villain... And, and you, you, can always, you can always try and relate to... I'm not sat there going, I want to be a villain. But, you know, like you, I like it when you can see that the actors or the, the, the character thinks they're doing right. And that's, like I said, with Vincent Donofrio in the first one, he's like, no, this this is how I see it. Like, I can see where this is, where where we need to go, the vision for the future. And it's the same with Ray Spall. Maybe that's why he's, again, just so like, I mean, he's a bit of a wet flannel anyways. He's just ridiculous. Like, it's really not my favourite role that Ray Spall's ever played in. But, like, so, yeah, he thinks he's doing right. And then he's been entrusted in dealing with, obviously, Lockwood's fortune and, and, and the vision of the future for what could happen post when he does pass away. So he's all acting on what he thinks is he's been asked to do. But it's gone to a point where it's he's so far lost in that 
that vision that he's now the villain of the piece. And then, you know, you get Toby Jones in, who's going to be auctioned off the, oh, oh my God, the auction. Let's come back to that anyways. But yeah, so like my main issue then, or one of the many, one of the issues, many issues I have with this film is like I say, you shoe on in a character in Lockwood that's never been mentioned before. And just what's the point? Like you could have just, you could have done something else with it. And say so you could have still maybe done this whole dino auction situation or whatever. But I personally wanted more from, uh, in terms of the, I know that they, they wanted to get away from the island. This is the thing when developing the film, they wanted to really push, they wanted the island to be gone and they wanted to be, bringing the dinosaurs into the the real world, I say the real world, our world then, shall we say. Um, but I wanted more time on the island, man. Like it's what, let's let's say the film's two hours, it's split between, you know, hour on island and then an hour of gothic horror and terror, which is good, don't get me wrong, like I say, I love all of that, but I loved it when they were on the island in this film. Like I know you got the, and this is the thing, I was like, did we need the volcano to happen? Because in, in, in the book, the original book, uh, Michael Crichton's book that that it is they say the volcano is quite a I think it's quite a big factor of the book. I've not actually sat down and, and read it fully, but I know that it is it's mentioned anyways that it's very it's volcanic and such. And so they ran with that idea of having it erupt and and then again again it brings in the whole animal rights situation. That even though that these animals you know we've created them you know we brought them back to life, then should because of that because they're man made should then should they be allowed to just stay on the island and die? Um, and yeah, like it's it's again Claire now is we see that that change in her character because before she would have been on that side of that easily would have been on the side of that in the first one. She's just a corporate, another corporate member who's like make money, make dinosaurs jobs are good and kind of thing. So like for her then to be part of this activist group, who's trying to save Easter Nublar's dinosaurs and, and get them off it to a safe haven, whatever. It's like, it's great to see that development again. Like they've, they've really thought it out and, and where it's going to go with her character. It'd be interesting to see what, what, where she was going to find her in, in the new one. I mean, I'm not obviously not going to change back, but you know what I mean? Like, it's nice to see where that character's come from, from where she was. Same with Owen as well. Same with Chris Bratz. Owen, I think that again, he's still got the selfish traits in this because he's kind of like locked himself away. And when we first meet him in this, he's, he's a bit like, yep, what we, what's, yeah, just let it happen kind of thing. He's such a, yeah, wasn't sure on that either. I don't know, but we'll, um, I'm not even going to stay too much talking about that, but yeah, anyways, it's like I say, she would definitely have been part of that originally. Was would Claire and Frank Marshall met with uh, Trevaro, um, met with Trevaro, say, uh, and Universal Pictures to discuss the sequel. Um, he then he said that he did not deny that the film could involve dinosaur soldiers, um, and that the series is not always going to be about Jurassic Park, and he felt that future films could explore the idea of dinosaurs and humans coexisting, which is where we find ourselves now. Um, and then even at that point, I think Trevaro hinted that the next one after this one, um, oh, the next, sorry, the next one after Jurassic World would would literally not see, um, not see a, a theme park in it at all. Like it would just be obviously if we, if we do go back to the island, it would be destroyed or something. But it was he wanted to move it forward. He wanted to get it to a point where we would be, you know, coexisting with dinosaurs, which they've got that, they've got their end game now, they've got to it. And it's interesting enough to read at development points that they were already saying in, in early interviews, you know, around, even way before production even begun, that they were looking at some unnamed Spanish horror film directors. And of course, J.O. Bayana is then, you know, in the director's chair. And like I say, he brings such a great, like, niche to the film in terms of those gothic and horror elements. Um... The film itself, uh, Trevorrow said that the film is inspired, the story is inspired from a quote from Dr. Alan Grant in the first film uh, when he says, Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, have suddenly been thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? Love that sequence when they're all sat around having their uh, dinner. He's like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You know, he's like, you're supposed to defend me and all I've got on my side is a blood-sucking lawyer. Anyways, a little side side quote there. Uh, and obviously on the back of that, Trevor said that, like, this quote is the reason why we're making this film. It's a, a mistake made a long time ago that can't be undone. Like, literally, we've created this and now dinosaurs are among us. It's like, this is... This is our fault. We can't we can't put it back in the box, as they say. Um, the the themes as well within it of the political megalomania as well, greed and making decisions with lack of care of how it and how it affects people's lives. Again, that's still in there. Um, that sorry, that is a kind of a, a pro and negative with the film itself because it's one of them. Like with with the 
like I said, this all kind of comes down to people with the auction. They just, it's so bad. Like, it's so, I don't know what it is. Like, the structure of the scripts was inspired by Spielberg's 2015 film, Bridge of Spies, where two seemingly unrelated stories collide in the middle and then move t- move on together. Um, so, like this film with Jurassic, you've got the adventure to start with, and then it comes into a claustrophobic nightmare. And as much as I do like elements from each, I just don't think it works together. It just doesn't gel. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sure there are people out there as well who are big fans of the Jurassic saga who will probably agree that this it just feels really off it's really strange like so let's let's i'm going to start with some pros for this film and i can't believe it's taken me this long after talking about all the background and stuff for this film or i've kind of jumped straight in with negatives and talking about like characters being shoehorned in this that and the other but like in terms of a pro i absolutely love the opening sequence of this film i think that it really brings and highlights what the film is going to be Bayana's vision everything i think that it is absolutely amazing like you got this Easter Easter Nublar that's completely obviously desolate. The new part that is, you got people from I believe it's obviously it would be Ingen that are trying to get a piece of the Indominus Rex's bones to then make another new dinosaur and whatever. Um, and you know it's it's dark, it's rainy. You've got this. It's genuinely like nightmare fuel almost. It's like if you were on the if you're on Jurassic World at night. You, and and obviously there's no offences now. Obviously everything's been tried. It'd be like genuinely like haunting, and the use of lightning in this sequence as well. Like not only have you got the the really intense and oh my god when they're like I said the really intense moment where you know you've got the 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 divers or whoever in that whatever weird submarine that they're in in the Mosasaurus cage, which we'll say cage, it's not a cage, but in in that bit um and you know that the, the one of them is like quite nervous and the guy's like oh if anything's anything that was in here is gonna be long dead by now and you're like kiss a death mate why why are you saying this kind of stuff i mean if i was in there with him you'd be like don't say anything like that you're asking to fail here uh, and then we get that absolute that fantastic silhouette when they get they do get the piece of the bone and again michael Cuccino, we'll go with that. His uh, his theme again rings in when we see the bones of the Indominus Rex and we get that that like kind of drone and low low like trumpet trombone or whatever. I'm terrible. Um, that theme kicking in again from the first one, the Indominus's theme. And then when they they say they send the bone up and we see that at, like the the thunder flashes and we just see this huge Mosasaurus just lurking at the top. You know, it's it's really say you're expecting things are going to go bad you know what i mean and then it just goes from there you say from bad to worse you know the, the mosasaurus takes them out we don't even see we don't even have to see it that's what i like about it is that they start to reverse we just see the teeth behind and then we just see that wide shot we see the light under the water and then it's gone that obviously they're dead the, the mosasaurus has had his fill and then it goes on even more because I, I honestly i remember seeing this at the cinema for the first time and when the guys like like obviously trying to i think he's got the gate open for them to get out or whatever and we see like the flash of lightning say, and, and the T-Rex is just slowly coming round, but each flash is getting closer and closer. It just was amazing. Like, and then you get the, the chase, obviously, when he does finally see the T-Rex and the T-Rex is chasing after him. It is just one thing to another to another. It's like, is it, are they done? Are they done? It's like even, you know, he's getting chased, jumping on the ladder to the helicopter. He thinks he's escaped and the Mosasaurus comes out and takes him. It's like, this place is not somewhere you need to, you want to be. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, the, and what still is that people actually want to take dinosaurs from this island, ship them off somewhere and then auction them or whatever, this, that, and the other, or even just make military dinosaurs because that's what they do with the Indoraptor. It is, again, designed for military, um, yeah, for military uh, procedures or whatever. So, like, again, like, I know I, 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 I could sit and this is one of those moments where I don't want to regurgitate to everything, but that opening sequence to say, so I just, Bayana again with this, like, with, say, with that use of the, I, I just, like I said, just mentioned, the lightning, the flashes, this, that, and the other, it is so good. Like, it's so intense and I, Love that sequence so so much. Like I can't get enough of it. And and that that's the thing. That that for me brings me back to the idea again of like we did in Jurassic World One when it was going to see the the park and the original park that is all all desolate and destroyed and overgrown and such like to see the park in that kind of feel nighttime it's rainy it's wet it's obviously thunder whatever it, it, it all screams danger you know and you've got people in there that are obviously they've got a mission themselves to to get this to get this piece of bone to then get out of the island. It's just everything, like I say, starts off so like kind of calm and almost tranquil. Like it's you know, say the the opening when the, the title sequence and title cards are happening. You know, we're under the water and stuff, and it's just there's not really much noise happening. It's just literally just, I think there's a few ten, like more like equipment noises than there are anything, and it just sounds peaceful, and then it just escalates into this absolute uh, fear fest, and it was great. And and again for me, it sets up the film. Say this like idea of the. This isn't the Jurassic Park that you're familiar with. This is the this is now 
everything is a threat. Like what what we're doing, even the humans in this are a bigger threat because there's no, like I said, there's no offenses to stop them really. They can, if they've created it and they own these dinosaurs, they can do what they want with them now. Um, it's, there's no like parks or restrictions or even like kind of companies or whatever who are going to stop them from doing what they want to do. It's now in everyone's hands, which is why it's kind of cool as well. They brought Jeff Goldblum back as uh, Ian Malcolm. Obviously he doesn't have an awful lot to do in this film. It was nice to have like him back, you know, doing his whole chaos theory, this, that and the other. And um, it is a very minor part, but he has such kind of... Um, yeah, like more of the, the the bigger lines of the film as well, like some you know kind of just stating that, um, you know it's it's not just like a cameo; it is genuinely quite a meaningful meaningful piece of uh, mean, meaningful uh, meaningful cameo. Then, so I will say, but this is it then. So, so obviously, we, the, the 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 premise of this film is to go and essentially get the dinosaurs. What what Chris Pratt, Owen, and Claire think that they're getting into a safe haven, but actually it's to get them back to Lockwood Manor. It's just like it starts off great. So when they're on the even even when they're on the island though, like when it's when it is the the adventures the adventure sequence and stuff. There's just a few bits in it that are just I don't know like unnecessary. Like um, I I love all the sequences like we said with the lava breaking through and the baryonics. I think that's how you pronounce it. I could, for a guy that absolutely loves dinosaurs, I tell you what, like sometimes my pronunciation is shocking. Um, but yeah, like that whole sequence where they're in like the under cabin or whatever and the lava's like falling down and they're trying to get out of of there whatever and, and then the the whole the whole chase sequence of them running down um running away from the from all the dinosaurs and all the all the eruption and such and we get that whole obviously trailer sequence of the T-Rex roaring away as everything's been destroyed and such it's like I don't know like I I I definitely preferred seeing the island as it was in the opening of this film again that kind of gothic element I think I say I do enjoy the gothic side of this film like I think that Bayana is an expert in it you know what I mean like in a say instilling that fear into the audience members but then it just like I say once we get off the island and such we start going into this whole black market situation where they're like you get to see the preview of the Indoraptor this like weaponized dinosaur which at like a push of a button with a gun it can just attack it like it'll just go for whatever um, I just, I don't know, like, it's just really bizarre, like, it's, it's, you can see that it would be going down that route, but, um, I'm, I'm more, when it gets to this point, I'm more intrigued and interested in, like, say, the shot sequence, and as I do with any film, when I start to, like, kind of sit there, like, eh, I'm not sure about this, like, I, I enjoy elements of it more, so, I, don't get me wrong, the design of the Indoraptor is, is brilliant, like, it looks great, like, all black, yellow streak down it, I've actually got the pot vinyl of, of, of the Indoraptor at my, uh, on my desk at work, like, I'm a big, big fan of the design, and, and, the um when it closes its jaw it's like a great like pattern of teeth um they like fit together really really well so a big fan of that as a big big fan of the design for the indoraptor and i like it when it's in the cage just toying uh, with ted levine or levine's character ken wheatley i think i don't even do you know what? i had to google what his character's name was i don't even know if they mention it or not. oh i think they do i think they call him wheatley whatever anyways when he's toying with him like because obviously that character is just like an absolute piece of crap you know like he's Everything you want to hate in a character, this kind of like arrogant military, I was going to swear them, but just, yeah, like a real character that you love to hate. Um, a mercenary, like I say, who's the commander on Issa Nublar. And like he's going around there, like he's just doing his job. I say even, um, you know, collecting teeth of different dinosaurs and such, like they're just, it's very like Lost World in that sense when they've got them all in the cages. Like I do like that when you're in Lost World when they go in trying to, when they're releasing all the dinos from the cages. Like it is very reminiscent of that and stuff and when when he gets in that cage with the indoraptor like you are glad that the indoraptor is going to have his have his food <laughs> you know what i mean like he's having for he's gonna have him for dinner and that whole thing of like when he's walking up to him and you just see like the tail or like the indoraptor's like eye open just to like oh, oh, like looking at the camera almost like oh, may, he may as well just giving us a wink as well like yep we know what's gonna happen here in a second it's it's really great to say and and it's it, the thing with this is that, that every every bad character in this film because um, as much as I don't like Lockwood, like I, I say, Shuan's character, he's not a bad character, he's a great, it's a decent enough performance, it's kind of sad that he does, because if he'd have made it to the end, maybe I'd be a little bit more like, okay, so he'll be another factor into the to the to to this overarching trilogy, this new trilogy, you know what I mean? Like, he is the John Hammond of the trilogy, but just gone. And I think that that, that kind of character has been and gone in both films, because... Um, on top of that as well, obviously, you've got the fantastic and, and sadly late Irfan Khan, who played Simon Maserani, who is the CEO of Maserani Corporation and owner of Jurassic World and such in the first one. Like, he was essentially, again, that whole, like, John Hammond kind of... He wasn't, and he wasn't, he wasn't, you know what I mean? But the the, the, the like overarching figure or whoever who was running 
the operation or like I say, who owns Jurassic World, who like in, in, in Jurassic World 2's case, you know, Lockwood, he's the one who's helped start the whole process kind of thing. They've just kind of been done and dusted and gone, whereas like in the original one, granted John Hammond wasn't included in the third one, uh, but he still kind of felt his presence in a way. And he's in the first two, so I don't know. I don't know why they did that, why they just didn't have one person. If they'd have had Lockwood in Jurassic World 1 and then he'd been in, the, you know what I mean? Like they could have easily, for me, it would have helped the story go go forward and such, but... The main thing I say, what I was getting to, is that every bad character does meet does meet their demise in this film. I say Toby Jones's character, who I genuinely did not like him in this film. He just I don't know if it was the I don't know exactly what it was. Maybe the performance itself. Like I just didn't like the characteristics of this character. And I know you're not supposed to like this character. You are meant to think what a douche, this, that, and the other. But I just did not like him at all in this. As I've mentioned, Rafe Ball, easily not my favourite role that he's ever done in this film. And just seems really cheesy, almost. Like, you know, you can look into things and outs of it, but I spoke about two-dimensional villains before, and I, and I just feel like he's another real one of those. Um, so, yeah, and then Ted Levine's character gets, gets you know, mauled as well by the Indoraptor. But everything else, like I said, other than other than that, when the Indoraptor's, like, going around the house, the whole, uh, the whole manor and such, and going after Maisie, he was obviously going to be a massive factor in, in Dominion in terms of, like, well, I'd like to think, you know, they can't, you can't just bring in, like, a human dino hybrid clone or whatever and then not explore that even more um you know like it, that whole sequence as i say where you get i think it was in one of the trailers when it's breaking when it when it comes into her bedroom and you just see like it's slowly coming with his his claw up and mouth closer to uh, to her as she's like on the bed like tucking away you know obviously like <laughs> obviously terrified like it is genuine nightmare fuel and that whole sequence well like i say from like a horror film when the indoraptor's on top of the manor and the lightning strikes it roars and such there's so much to like in this film in terms of a visual aspect especially like i say from the second half of the film when it does turn into this like gothic horror and claustrophobic nightmare it's it really is like i say entertaining enough it's just i don't think it's enough to save the film overall like it is a it's a it's an unfortunate and definite dip in terms of quality um so we'll just have to like say just just pray that the the negatives for the first uh, for the negatives for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom that they've learned from them and that hopefully for Dominion they do wrap it up because by the end obviously the dinosaurs are trapped in that container bit at the bottom of the the manor that there's um is it whatever gas that's some form of like very toxic gas hydrogen cyanide uh, gas leak that are stopping the uh, they're, they're obviously going to kill the caged dinosaurs and next thing you know they've got a decision at hands. Again, they can either let these dinosaurs die or they can let them free. And it's it's Maisie that makes that call. Obviously, she, by right, shouldn't actually be here anymore. You know, she's a deceased daughter of Lockwood. And that and she's this clone is the reason why John Hammond ended his association with Lockwood, which, again, I do see why they've brought that in. But, again, it's one of those storylines. Like, did you need to go down? Anyways, that's another story for another day. Um, but, yeah, so she's like, by right, I should be here. They should be here, but we are. They have to live. They have to. They have to go. We have to let them live. And there we have it. Like the dinosaurs are out and about. They're free. There's that shot I say of Blue overlooking like a neighborhood and, and obviously letting out her, her roar or whatever. And that, that that's setting up what is going to be a say Jurassic World Dominion. Of course, there was the Battle of the Big Rock as well, which is a real great like mini short short film. We'll say if you've not seen that on YouTube yet, go check it out. It's really really good. Kind of gives you an idea as to what to expect, obviously from Dominion and those coexisting with dinosaurs, but. It, it's really it's got me curious now like as i say curious i'm very like reserved about it because they say of how they did it in jurassic were in jurassic part two sorry when the t-rex gets out that i'm just not sure where it's going to go but overall though as i say i really do like jurassic world and I, and i'll and for, for some of its parts i like jurassic world fallen kingdom it's not the best sequel that there ever is but jurassic world one was so good that i you know i'm gonna watch the sequels i'm gonna see where they where they go with this saga and hope that they do a decent enough job, anyways, with Jurassic World two because it, you know, with Jurassic World three, sorry, because like some parts of the trailer look amazing, you know, look really good, uh, and then some parts I think I'm really not sure about this. So we'll have to see. I say I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to be one of those fans that's going to go in expecting for it to be absolute trash or whatever because I do expect big things from these films, and maybe that's another negative in itself. If I'm going in thinking I expect something huge from this film, and it's not, then it could be even more disappointing. But we shall see. But overall, I think out of ten, Jurassic World for me is. Seven, half, eight. Yeah, we'll go with eight because I really do dig it. And then Jurassic World 2, six. Um, there we go. There is my thoughts and this revisit review of the Jurassic World films. I've probably missed an awful lot. And if there's anything you want to talk to me about, I think you missed this part out. What about this? Or if there's any particular sequences and scenes that you really dig about these films, 
then let me know. Say, jump on Facebook, Joe Blogs About Films, give that a like and a follow. That would be absolutely fantastic. And again, message me on there as well. But just keep sharing the podcast. Again, I really do appreciate everyone's support. It's great to, to, to chat to everyone who's listened to an episode. I really am trying to get as much as I can possibly out. But are you looking forward to Jurassic World Dominion? Let me know. There is so much to say to look forward to with it. You've got the original cast members in, the new cast members in, more dinosaurs, more, more animatronics, more in-gen and biosyn or whatever just causing absolute havoc biosyn i think they call the other company the corporation they're ringing back so it could be great it could be really great it's definitely gonna be one of those films for the summer i'm looking forward to it anyways i'm hoping that they they live up uh, get to the same heights maybe as jurassic world one as now they've got the original casting i'm like oh this could be really good but we shall see thank you as always all for clicking on this podcast it really is appreciated until the next episode take care